The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. Pharrell on the bench in the biggest way possible. No, no, no. No Scotty tonight as he starts vacation. Carver High and Mafia here with you on a big Friday night as we head into uh, a really huge weekend in college football, NFL. We've got NHL news tonight. That's right. They are going to have a 56-game season. So we've got a lot on the table for a Friday night. Carver High along with Mafia 844-843. 6879, the number to get involved. We've got the conference championships have already gotten underway here tonight. Conference USA, UAB up 12-7 on Marshall. A wild one in Detroit, uh, the MAC final between Ball State and Buffalo. Buffalo had not been behind in a game all year until tonight. They are losing 38-28 to Ball State. They are about to get the ball to start the fourth quarter. And at halftime in the Pac-12, USC trailing Oregon. 21 to 14. So mafia, we have a ton on the t- a ton on the table here. Happy Friday night. What's going on? Don't forget about these other games too. I mean, Rutgers, Nebraska. Oh <laughs> I mean, yes. Don't you love that? Like, why why is anybody playing this on in a title game? This is the most ridiculous thing. I know the season's all whacked up, but I mean, come on. The fact that you have Rutgers, Nebraska playing, you have all these other Big Ten games. Like, no one cares. Why? Why? But you know, I'm looking for you. He's excited to have these uh, you know these title games, of course. So USC. Starting off slow against Oregon. They better kick it in gear like they did against UCLA last week. Otherwise, there won't even be any discussion about them. I mean, not that there is, about them getting to the playoffs. No, you're right. And I actually thought, and we brought this up today on Coast to Coast, I think that this was a harder matchup for USC tonight. Uh, Oregon is a better team than Washington. Washington was supposed to play. They won the North. I mean, look, how much can you win? They played five, six games. I mean, who, you know, it's so hard to figure who Especially really in the Pac-12 them. this year where everyone was getting canceled every week. <laughs> it, it's Pac-12 teams that have only played three games. But Oregon, I think, is a better team than Washington. So really, the COVID situation with the Huskies up in the Pacific Northwest maybe hurt USC. And USC, for all they want to complain about, Mafia, let's be fair, USC is no juggernaut. Okay, they might be undefeated. They missed a couple games. They were supposed to play Colorado. That got canceled. Um, they they struggled to beat Arizona State. They struggled to beat Arizona, who absolutely stinks. We've seen them uh, been awful the entire five or six weeks of the Pac-12. They had to come from behind to beat UCLA next week. So I don't think USC is that great to begin with. 
And this is, I thought so. This is the night where they could get picked off. They're down seven going into the second half. We'll see if they've got a little bit of an effort in them. Yeah, this is a big one for them. I mean, obviously, like we, you know, I mentioned earlier, they're not going to be considered for the playoffs, even though they should have gotten more consideration than half these other teams they put in front of them. I know they didn't play a lot of games, but you can't tell me that two loss teams, especially like a two loss Florida, who gets smoked by LSU at home last week. You know, there's no way as 23 point favorites you lose to a two or three win team and you should drop one spot. Like they should have been way up, them, Cincinnati, even if you were, you know, just doing it for window dressing, like give them the opportunity. But still, you know, this is a game, I guess, that uh, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why they came out flat because, you know, the change and them saying, you know what, what, what are you playing for? Like, you're just going to go to the Rose Bowl? Like, are you just going to go to a bowl game? Like, who cares? We're USC. We go to a bowl game every year. They're all dropping out of these bowl games, too. Uh, and we're going to talk about this tonight. The, the Brian Kelly, the Brian Kelly statement. Uh, oh, yeah. About, I got some official for going to, Yes. We, we're definitely going to have to talk about the Brian Kelly statement, too, about saying that his team might not go to the playoff if the families you know of the players cannot go either so that's going to be there as well we've got an nfl uh week 15 which starts off with a couple of saturday games so that should be fun as well we welcome in all of our radio affiliates pharrell on the bench carver high and mafia in for scotty on a friday night 844-843-6879 just getting rolling college football Conference championship games. Believe it or not, Mafia, out of the three games, the one that you'd probably be least locked into tonight uh, is this barn burner between UAB and Marshall going on right now. Uh, fourth quarter, UAB just kicked a monster field goal to go up 15-7. to seven. Marshall, of course, was undefeated uh, throughout pretty much all the season. Then they lost a game to Rice where they were 21-point favorites. They have the conference championship game at home tonight, Mafia. And they are laying an egg. They can't score. They play pretty good D, but they're going to get the ball right now. They're on 30, 547 to go, trailing 15 to 7. We are looking, Mafia, for the Marshall Thundering Herd to come down the field here. And let's get in the end zone and get a two and tie this game. And let's get some overtime here. All right, Mafia? So you surprised me on that one because you said, you know, the one that you're not going to be locked in, but you should. I thought you were going to go for, you know, your Buffalo and uh, Ball State matchup because you love the action. So I thought that's where you were heading. I not think you're going down to Marshall. And look, I- I'm in on the action as well, and things are going good because I thought that Ball State was a bit of a, a, a you know, a fishy line, a good play. You know, I saw – and there is a big play. Is this live? This is live. Marshall. Uh, Just as we speak, Mafia, Marshall hits a 70-yard touchdown to get in the end zone. They're going to get an opportunity here to tie this game. Here we go. Maction is a great game. I love Ball State getting the points tonight, Mafia, and they have shown up. Uh, Really nice job by Ball State. So we've got our eye on all these games. We've got to talk about all the games tomorrow. We've got the NFL Week 15. The NHL is back tonight. They have a deal. Owners, players, 56 games. The divisions are awful. Uh, there's, There's plenty to talk about with that, too. Carver High and Mafia, in for Scotty. Pharrell on the bench. We get rolling right after this. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you. Because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. 
And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're here 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. Don't believe us. Never turn us off. You'll see. Keep listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. Pharrell on the bench, Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty tonight on a pain-free Friday, 844-843-6879, the number to get involved. We said before the break, Mafia, Marshall went in. They did not get the two-point conversion. 15-13, UAB leads Marshall, 537 to go in the fourth quarter. Of course, UAB about to get the ball. Marshall kicked it deep. They've got all their timeouts. They will try to get a stop and get the ball back. Buffalo got the ball back on an awful interception by Ball State. Ball State quarterback threw an awful ball. 38-28 Ball State. Long way to go in this one. And there could be about like five more touchdowns uh, in this last quarter. Uh, Buffalo on the other side of the 50, down 10. We'll see what happens there. Still halftime with the Pac-12. So we'll start the, let's start the college football mafia before we get into the games. We've got to talk about this uh, Brian Kelly thing from today. Uh, and of course, uh, the talk with Brian Kelly and a couple of the other coaches is the Rose Bowl, if they play it there, it's one of the semis uh, for the college football playoff. They don't want anybody in the building. They don't want families. They don't want friends. They don't want people. They don't want ushers. They don't, nobody in there. They just want the players to go out on the field and play, which we have seen a lot, but we have come so far. And it sounds like my. Now, here's my thing. And I, and I know that Kelly is a, he's lying. You know, saying that they're not going to play. I don't, I don't believe that Brian Kelly and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, when they find out where they're going on Sunday, are going to say, "Yeah, well, the families can't go. We're going to pull out. We graciously decline our invitation to the college football playoff." I, I don't think that they would actually do that. But I will say this, Mafia: He does make some good points about the way college football is handling this, and I agree with his points even though the way that he tried to hit them home does not good. And this is my favorite quote. Why can't it be the law, uh, the lost, uh, the Rose Bowl in Las Vegas? Uh, we're worshiping the ashes of tradition. And you know that I've killed the Rose Bowl forever. I think that college football uh, bows down to the Rose Bowl unnecessarily. They schedule their entire lives around it, and nobody cares about the game anymore. And now we have a situation where they don't want people in. Move the game. Let families go. But Kelly's lying when he tells you that he's not going to have his team there or would they would possibly not have his team there. Dude, this is the biggest clown statement I've heard all year in college football. It's even worse than Dabo's, you know, ripping an FSU that we got on him for a couple weeks ago. It's worse than what these guys were saying in the, you know, the summer where they knew nothing and they're acting like, oh, yeah, everything's going to be fine. Half my team's sick. But, you know, we'll have a football season. No problem. No big deal. No, th this is just so short-sighted and boo-hoo. You know, I want my way. Brian Kelly here with, 
well, if my mommy and daddy can't come, I don't want to be there. So don't go. Well, there's no point if the families can't come. Yeah, there is. There is a big point. Winning a college championship, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter who's in the building. Like, yeah, I get that, you know, you don't want to bow down to the Rose Bowl, but there shouldn't be fans anywhere, let's be honest. Just because they'll let fans in Vegas, which is also the most hypocritical thing I've ever seen because the Raiders won't put fans in there, but the college games will. Like, it, why is it safe for college games, but not for the, you know, when you have the pro team? It's just ridiculous anywhere that they're, you know, packing fans in these stadiums. And for him to make that a focal point that your parents can't go, they can watch it in HD and get a better view at home in their warm, cozy thing. Then, you know, I'm going out to, you know, even Pasadena or Vegas or wherever you go. Guess what? You're going to be locked in a hotel room for a week. Like, what is the really the great thing for them to go to these bowl games? They're going to be sitting in an empty stadium where there's no one to serve them food or drinks or, you know, whatever, you know, to make sure the bathroom's clean. There's going to be nowhere for them to go when they go to these places because you're going to pretty much be told, stay in your hotel room. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to pass COVID tests and we're not going to let you come anyway. Like, what's the benefit really? Just because mommy and daddy get to play, for, you know, little Johnny play in person, watch it on TV like the rest of us, suck it up and be happy that he wins the title. I think the families should be allowed to go. I do. I don't think that they should not play the game because of it, but I do think that the families should be allowed to go. And the other point that he made, which is so, so true, is that these kids that play have sacrificed a lot this year. They, they haven't been able to go near anybody. They've been on campus since July. And I know we're, we're playing the violin uh, for you know college football athletes at the Division I level who I'm sure have been treated very well. Um, it's a bowl game. It's possibly the national semifinal. Get, how, how about thinking about the kids for a minute? The kids want their parents there. I don't know. I just feel like this is this shouldn't be a thing where they should just shut the kids up. Forget it. We don't care what you think. We're not having any people there. I kind of get the kids' side of it. They have given a lot, Kelly said, and they maybe deserve to be taken into consideration a little bit here. I understand they want them there, but I mean, honestly, they're not thinking about the full risk then because also they're not thinking about logistics. They're not thinking about anything. They're just thinking they want their parents there to see, but you know, what does that entail? You know, that entails how many more people you have. Well, like almost 80 kids on these college football teams. So if you give them two, three, four family members each, you know, you're talking two, 300 people that now you have to make sure are getting tested throughout the week. You got to make sure are quarantining. And when you have, you know, at least I'd say 10% of those don't follow all those quarantining rules when they go to this new city, you know, that they're going to stay at these hotels. Well, guess what's going to happen? It's going to spread. It's going to spread throughout the, you know, the, the program and the families. It might even spread to the players. I'm sure someone will break their quarantine to go see their families when they're in the hotel with them. And then, you know, what's going to happen? You have to cancel the game. I mean, that's not guaranteed, but it's a good chance that you're going to end up canceling the game or that afterwards you're going to have an outbreak from wherever these people are coming from because they're going to bring it back with them. So I just don't think it's worth the risk. I, I get it sucks, but this whole year has sucked and everyone is dealing with it. I mean, at least you're getting to play a big game for a college title. What if the, they couldn't go near the parents, like like kind of now? And you expect them to follow that? I don't they know. They weren't supposed to go to parties. I, I, they did that. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get halfway. I, I'm trying to get halfway where it's, you guys want your parents? Because like I'm, I watch all these games, and there's people in the stands, and I know that all those people that are at these games, and I know it's different parts of the country, and they all have different rules. I know that they're not testing all them and keeping them under quarantine before they go in these buildings. My God, right. and Marshall just falling apart here, Mafia. Falling apart. UAB hit a huge play after the Marshall touchdown. 
So uh, like a 65-yard pass. They take a 22-13 to lead. Marshall gets the ball back three and a half minutes. They're down nine now, and they just fumbled the football, and it looks like UAB has it. Just an awful turn of events for the Thundering Herd. They're calling him down at least, so Marshall's going to keep it. We need Marshall to get in the end zone here, Mafia. We need to make this a two-point game again, and they need to do it fairly quickly. Back to this. Um, so, yeah, maybe if you just want to compromise, say, you, you got, the parents can come, but we, you, can't, you still can't come near the players, but at least you get to be in the building and watch them. Which, which, I think, would they go for that? I would, maybe, if, if it helps get them in. They'd go for that. I just don't believe they're going to follow that. I mean, we've been, you told them when they came back to campus, hey, no one go to parties. And then how many programs have outbreaks because kids are out partying or you know doing whatever they're not supposed to be doing i mean it's just the nature of the beast you have that many people in a program that many kids around they're 18 19 20 year old kids they don't want to listen and they're not gonna listen they're gonna there's gonna be someone that breaks that protocol i mean i think this is just a prime example again as we've seen throughout this season of the ncaa's lack of control with it when it comes to college football this should not be conference by conference this should not be bowl game right. by bowl game or stadium by stadium there should have been blanket rules put out by the ncaa from the start of this. And if conferences wanted to opt out of those completely and not play, that could have been one thing. But it should have been them saying, hey, listen, these are the rules. You know, you test positive. This is what you have to do. You know, this is when you'll start all this. Uh, no fans at the stadiums. Uh, you know, bowl games, no fans, no families. If you don't like it, don't show up. Like, there should have been some kind of edicts put out by the NCAA, like they did for college basketball, like they do for every other sport. But college football, for some reason, they have no control over it. And let the conferences call all the shots. And let the local, you know, authorities and schools and whatever make the decisions. And that's when you get this kind of stuff going on. No, it's true. And and that's been a major problem with college athletics, especially it's kind of the eyes have been open to it a lot more this season with the COVID situation and how every conference had to have their own different rules and their different standards. And now it is, is led over to the bowl games as well. Marshall's not going to get this done here. They just look awful. They can't move the football. Ball State's still up 10. We're waiting on USC and Oregon to get going in the second half. When we come back, we'll talk more about the actual games happening on Saturday. Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty. Pharrell on the bench rolls on right after this. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. bench carver high and mafia in for scotty as he starts vacation tonight 844-843-6879 i have no idea what happened here in this game i'm clearly very locked in on marshall um 
who was minus uh, three and a half, got up to minus four and a half before the game uh, in a teaser, having him plus two down 22 to 13. They were like at like the 45 or the 50. And then somehow it was first and 10 at their own 15. I don't know how they went backwards 30 yards mafia, but with two minutes to go now in the fourth quarter, uh, second and five, and they're pinned back very far. They're down nine. It's not looking good for the thundering herd. Ball State still holding a 10-point lead over Buffalo, 38-28, and they have started the second half out at the L.A. Coliseum, 21-14. to Oregon leads USC. They jumped out to a very fast 14-0 lead in that game. Right now, minus 6.5 on the live line for Oregon. Uh, and they just popped the UAB Marshall game back up on the live line on FanDuel, and they took it down number eight and a half. So we'll see if Marshall can move down the field here and maybe get some garbage time uh, to help some people that had Marshall in a teaser. All right, Mafia, so we do have games tomorrow. We have a lot of games, actually. Let's do the conference conference title games first that we've got going on. And the big one that has garnered a lot of attention is Northwestern and Ohio State because of Ohio State being in the top four. They've only played five games. Do they deserve to be there? It's 18 and a half. It was 20 and a half this morning. There's been some buzz and some rumors. Uh, I saw the uh, Sammy P on with the morning after with Jared and Ariel today saying that there could be some issues COVID-wise with Ohio State. Line went down a couple of points. I, I, I mean, the problem is Northwestern can't score. Like, they got such a hard time putting points on the board that even if they held them down, how, you know, how are they scoring points to stay within this number? Because I feel like Ohio State's going to score at least between 24 and 31 points. And I just can't see Northwestern scoring. Yeah, I think 24 to 31 is, you know, kind of a conservative estimate unless this COVID really is wreaking havoc through Ohio State's uh, main offensive players there because I feel like, you know, they should put up at least 40. That's what they do just about every game on everyone. I know Northwestern's probably, you know, it's, it's better defensively than a lot of these other teams. The Big, the Big Ten uh, as a whole, is pretty whack, you know, this year. It's been very, very top-heavy. And Northwestern's had a good season, but I just don't see them really stopping Ohio State. You know, there's been plenty of teams that are good defensively, and then they play, you know, a team like Ohio State, and they get points put up on them anyway. It's just that, you know, they put up a little less, or they actually score with them like Indiana. I think Ohio State probably wins this game and covers pretty easily because Northwestern's had a nice season. Michelle's getting a lot of heat on him again as, you know, being a coach for maybe other job openings, maybe jump into the NFL. But I just don't see them getting it done in the big spot here against Ohio State. Yeah, I'm with you. I kind of want to wait until the morning. I really don't want to go near it right now. I want to I want to make sure at least, you know, Fields is playing. Like, you know, I, I need to make sure, like, at least he's on the field because I'd feel pretty confident in covering a two to three touchdown number if I knew that was the case. What is happening? I mean, Marshall stinks. We're done with Marshall, so good night, uh, UAB, going to win the Conference USA Championship. Good for them. Uh, Big 12 game, Mafia, a rematch here. Oklahoma, Iowa State. Iowa State, the darlings of the college football playoff committee. They have moved them all the way up to sixth with two losses. I still can't figure out why. But Oklahoma, a favorite here, minus five and a half. Very hard to beat a team twice, especially a team as good as Oklahoma. Iowa State's never won the Big 12. Matt Campbell, everybody loves him. I've been with Scotty all week on this. I think that Oklahoma wins this game. I think they cover the five and a half. I think they get revenge for that loss in early October. I'm with you that they're probably going to win. It seems like they have finally figured things out here and gotten back to you know, somewhat of what they should be and what we expected from them. And uh, Rattler started to play a lot better. But I think that game against Baylor, their last game, uh, two weeks ago, kind of makes me wonder if they 
can cover that spread. I think it might be a tight one. I think it could be a field goal game. I think Iowa State you know, is a very tight defensive, staunchy team. You know, we've seen what they did earlier in the year against them. I think, you know, if Baylor can hold Oklahoma back a little bit, yes, they won by 13, but I mean, they should have blown them out by 30. And they struggled all the way, you know, through the first half and into the second half before they finally started to pull away at the end. I think Iowa State is a good enough team to stick with them and make them really, you know, hold out for the end and really uh, make it, uh, you know, get you on the edge of your seat and worried about your cover here. I think they're going to cover, and then Oklahoma State, I mean, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, I'm sorry, pulls out the win, but that Iowa State makes it interesting the whole way through. I am going to save the uh, two big games for last. Uh, Interesting thing that I just noticed here, Mafia, on FanDuel as I'm looking at these games. The Tulsa-Cincinnati game, the line is gone. Now, we know Cincinnati hasn't played in weeks. Tulsa hasn't played in weeks. Like, this could be a late night, night before the game. Uh, COVID situation, I have not gone and looked at anything yet or seen. But they actually have the money line number still up. So they might just be tinkering with the actual spread. Uh, It's been sitting at like 14 and a half all week. Um, Cincinnati, you, you know, Tulsa is not bad defensively. I feel like this game could be a bit of a slugfest and maybe taking the points with Tulsa, you know, I, I could get involved with that mafia. I, I think that they maybe can hang around within two touchdowns of Cincinnati tomorrow. You know, they've been a good team all year, six and one, six and oh in the conference. I, I just, I'm riding Cincinnati in this game though. Cincinnati has been awesome all year and they put up some big points against a lot of teams. Now, they've had some blowout wins where you thought it was going to be a tight game against SMU, against Memphis. You know, some of these other teams that you know you thought it was going to be a struggle for them or they might lose, they put the pedal in the metal and just blew them out and said, hey, you know, look at us. We are the team. You know, We are the best in the group of five. And I know last week against UCF, it was more of a struggle, surprisingly. You know, 36-33 is a very low-scoring game for them. But I think yeah. that they could pull this off. I think Tulsa is going to have a little bit of an issue scoring because you know we talk about Cincinnati and how good they are scoring. But we don't talk and give enough credit to their defensive side of the ball. I mean, 15 points a game. They are very tough on that side. They're, you know, one that you really have to struggle to give points against. I know Tulsa's put up some nice points this year. But I just think it's going to be a much different scenario for them against Cincinnati. And Cincinnati, you know, even though they're getting shafted and, you know, they really have, I don't say nothing to play for because they get a bigger bowl game, obviously, if they win. I think they want to come out here and make a statement, even if it's not going to do enough. Yeah, they're going to get that New Year's six bowl spot uh you know if they win this game they might actually even get it i believe um if they lose because it's i think it's the highest ranked you know team of those group of five i don't think you actually have to win your conference so even if they lost i don't think anybody's high enough um to really knock them down so cincinnati's in good shape i think they'll beat tulsa anyway mountain west game is very intriguing to me the spartans of san jose state are undefeated uh, any other year, I think they'd be getting a little bit more attention because they never win and they're undefeated here, but they're playing the big dogs of the Mountain West, which is, of course, Boise State. This game is taking place in Vegas. Boise State is a six and a half point favorite. Um, I, I like I like the Spartans here. They've scored a lot. Uh, and the reason why, I, and this is, always happens, Mafia, I'm going to back them this week because I've gone against them so much this year that they've screwed me so many times that I'm finally going to get on their bandwagon and they'll probably lay an egg on me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm jumping on that bandwagon too, man. I'm, I'm, you know, obviously this is one usually you look at it just on paper or you know, look at it by the names if you're not really following the Mountain West, which I'm not going to act like I followed every single game of it. You know, I peruse it. I check out what's going on. You know, sometimes doing that Saturday late night 
uh, in game live. You get your, you know, your favorite bailout blowout type of games there. So I've been watching yeah. some of those going on. I th- think San Jose State's got it this year. I think that they're going to win it this year. I know Boise is the one that we always know. They're the one that's always there. They're the one that's you know always the the also there. You know, upset kind of power, group of five type of team that you know is going to go in there and play in Oklahoma and pull an upsetter. You know, pull some crazy plays out on the Smurf turf. You know, to get there. I just don't feel like this year with them. I know they have a nice record. I just don't feel like they're the same team that they were in the past. I mean, they gave a bunch of, bunch of points to Hawaii a couple of weeks ago. They've had some struggles against other teams. You know, Air Force, uh, I mean, it's not a struggle. They won by 19, but Wyoming was a tight game. I just don't think they're the same, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of these other teams that are in their level. So I think San Jose State's got a real chance here. I love them to cover the spread. And I, I, I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on the money line and plus 200 from the win. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. You go heavy with the money line right there. The Spartans and I and look, so many nights sitting here, including a couple weeks ago against Nevada, where Nevada got absolutely jobbed in that game. But San Jose, San Jose State still won. Uh, I will back them tomorrow. I hope that they beat Boise. That's a really good story out of the Mountains West with the Spartans. I'm gonna save the two big games till we come back from the break, Mafia, because they they deserve more time. I do not want to rush the Notre Dame Clemson and the Alabama-Florida game. So there's a couple of other games, non-championship games, like you were saying at the top of the show. They've kind of thrown all these other, like, makeup, sixth game, Big Ten crossover, like all this stuff they've thrown together where the conference championships don't really have their own stage. Now, number five, Texas A&M, does play tomorrow. They're playing Tennessee, who is awful. They're playing them in Knoxville. I am not the biggest Texas A&M backer. I don't think that they're that great. I think that they would get smoked by any of those four teams in front of them in the college football playoff. They're laying 13 and a half on Rocky Top. I can't back Tennessee, though, because they are that bad. They they stink offensively, and this is the kind of game that Texas A&M can win like they did against LSU a few weeks ago, like 20 to 3 or 24 to 10, something like that. Yeah, Texas A&M all the way. I've not been impressed with them in certain games. Like that game against LSU a couple weeks ago where, yeah, I know they won big, 20 to nothing. That second half, they got shut down. And, you know, if LSU had any sort of offense, they would have come back in that game and maybe even stolen it. So I'm not impressed by them or think they should be in the football playoff at all. But Tennessee is a joke. I mean, ever since they fired Fulmer, you want to talk about, like, curses, the curse of the Bambino or the Billy Goat? No, there's the curse of the Phil Fulmer right now in Tennessee because they have not got it together ever since they got rid of that guy. He's been a complete joke and a mess. And I can't, I'd bet, you know, uh, Texas A&M lane 20 and a half, let alone 14 or 13. No, no, no doubt about it. Uh, they'll take care of it. They'll win. Pharrell on the bench, Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty. Ducks fly together, baby. Oregon is in for, again, 28 to 14. They lead USC. Ball State still up 10 on Buffalo. We go through more of the college football, more to do. Pharrell on the bench rolls on right after this. Look, we're not saying all the other sports talk networks are backwards. But we're pretty sure they all have a favorite Yeehaw episode. Get on the grid. Yeehaw. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty, 844-843-6879. 
We are back. Um, college football, we said Marshall lost. UAB is your Conference USA champs. Ball State still clinging. I'm surprised. There were so many points in the first half of this game uh, that it is really slowed down in the second half. But Ball State holding on to a 10-point lead. They've got the rock at midfield. That's the MAC title game in Detroit. Oregon now has a 14-point lead off of U- over USC. USC is on the move. Live line, minus 5.5 for the Ducks. Ducks fly together. We're hoping to pull this thing off on the money line tonight. Okay, Moff, let's do the two big games. And if we have time, maybe we'll sprinkle some of these other little ones. Uh, Alabama and Florida. The SEC title game. Florida, of course, kind of ruined things by losing to LSU last week. They had a chance to really have a lot of juice in this game. Alabama's going to the playoff. Win, lose, lose or draw. Florida's not. If they beat Alabama, I don't care. They are not. Uh, they would need a lot of crazy things to happen. They would need Ohio State to lose. They would probably need Clemson to lose. They would need a lot of things in order to get in. Um, 17 and a half is now the number. I understand that it is very large, but I have not seen anybody stop the Alabama offense all year, and I have seen a lot of mediocre teams score on Florida, even though that they have won those games and have outscored other teams. So I think this is the kind of game where Alabama is going to score every time they have the ball and Alabama's D will stop Florida every once in a while. And that will start to slowly expand the score. I think Alabama puts 50 plus on them. Uh, Florida might score in the twenties, maybe low thirties, but I think that they're going to cover this 17 and a half. Everybody seems to love Florida with the points. I'm not there mafia. I can't do it. Yeah. I'm not there either because you know, you, you can't, you know, as we see with a lot of the bowl games, you know, these teams that are supposed to be in the big ones, then, you know, lose a game here, there, there, and now got to play, go, you know, to some not as glamorous bowl game against some, you know, smaller team. What is Florida, what's their mindset? What are they coming in with? You know, are they coming in this and be like, oh, we can win the SEC and they still have like some pride to this? Or are they coming in like, oh, yeah, we can win the SEC and it doesn't matter. Like, we're not making the playoffs. <laughs> like, you're not playing if you're one of these big programs for a conference title. You, you are, but you're playing for the national championship. That's what you want. You want to make the playoffs. And with that taken away from them from that stupid penalty last week, uh, and not just you know them losing, but how they lost at home, you know, over three touchdown favorites against a team that's terrible this year in LSU to lose the way they did. You know, what do you have coming into this game? And I just don't see that they have a lot. And I think too, and another thing that's going to play a big factor in this. You know, is we got to find out the status of Kyle Pitts. I, I think him not being there last week killed them. You know, he's a huge part of that passing game. Him and Trash cook up constantly, and we sh- are still uncertain about his status for this game. So that could be something you kind of wait and see on a Saturday morning, see what they're saying about him. But I think you know, maybe even if he's there, it just doesn't matter because I don't think Florida has enough to play for to really, you know, still stay in this if Alabama gets ahead. We've seen Alabama. You know, this is not your dad's Alabama. This isn't even, no. you know, our Alabama from, you know, 10, 12 years ago where it's, you know, three downs and a cloud of dust and, you know, the defense that holds you down so that the offense just has to use their Heisman running, you know, rushing running back like 30 times to get 10 points and they're still going to win the game. This is an Alabama team that slings the ball all over the field and puts up 40, 50 points a game. They're not about defense, this team. They don't care if they stop you anymore. They're going to score you. They're like a Pac-12 team suddenly with Sarkeesian at the helm there. So I think they're going to run this up on Florida. No, it's true. I think that this is the best offensive team that Nick Saban's ever had at Alabama. I just do. I think you look at all the components. I think it's their best offensive team. 
Maybe not their best team overall because, like I say, the defense probably the defense has definitely been better in other years at Alabama. But offensively, Saban said it. You know, I think it was two or three games in. He's like, college football is about offense now, and I have a big time offense. And Florida's going to know Mafia by eight o'clock when they play this game. They're going to know if they if all the crazy stuff that can happen for them to actually get in. They're going to know by 8 o'clock if that stuff has happened or not. Like, they'll know if Iowa State's lost. They'll know if Ohio State has somehow lost. They'll know if Notre Dame has beaten Clemson. So all the things that could potentially be on the table for Florida. And I think they need two out of those three. I think they need two out of those three to happen to legitimately have a chance to get up to four. And that and that's if they beat, have what then they would have to beat Alabama as well. I think that if all those two of those three things happened, they would have an opportunity to jump. Because if they beat Alabama and Clemson lost and Iowa State lost, et cetera, I, I think I could probably make the case for Florida to get in with a win over Alabama. I probably could make it. But you know what? It doesn't matter because guess what? They're going to get their ass kicked by Alabama. It's just that simple. I know you're with me uh, on that, Mafia. Let's get to the main event. You know what the main event is. Come on. Roll out the barrels, baby. Fighting Irish, Clemson Tigers, ACC title game. I think, Mafia, a lot of disrespect. A lot of disrespect for a team. Uh, you know, the Irish, they beat Clemson. I know. No Lawrence. The kid DJU only threw for about 450 yards in that game. But still, 10 and a half points seems really high for the quality of game that these two teams played six weeks ago. For it to be 10 and a half. Man, you're telling me Trevor Lawrence is worth that much and a neutral field is worth that much? I don't know, Moff. It seems like a lot. I'm with you. I am with you 100%. And, you know, I'm usually one that loves the Blue Bloods and the, uh, the top programs to go down. I love chaos in college football because I don't have a team. You know, my, my college didn't have one in Seton Hall, so I didn't get into college football till you know, long after I graduated. I'm from the New York area, so college football almost doesn't matter to, you know, 95% of the people unless you can, came from, a, you know, college football school. So, you know, I'm all about upheaval and chaos and the little guy winning. So for me, obviously Notre Dame isn't that little guy, but neither is Clemson anymore. I would love to see Notre Dame, you know, mix it up. And I think people are really, um, yeah, long story short, I was saying, I usually am up for Notre Dame losing. Right now, I'm not rooting against them. I think that they are a good team. I think that they are proven to be one of the best teams in the conference and the college and college football this year. And I think that, like you said, they're getting very, you know, much disrespected in this. There is no way they should be double-digit dogs to a team that they already beat. Don't give me that Trevor Lawrence wasn't there because, like you said, DJU threw for just as many yards and touchdowns as Trevor would have. Yeah, you want to say the defense is missing a bunch of pieces and they'll be a lot better this time? Maybe I'll give you that. But I think that the defense for Notre Dame is going to be better too with some of the guys that they were missing. I think this is going to be a much tighter game, as you mentioned, on Coast to Coast. I think it's going to be a lot more of a struggle, despite the points that these both these teams put up. I think their defenses are going to have a little bit more tape and be a little more locked in on what to do against each side. And I think it's going to be a very tight, hard-fought game. I think double digits is ridiculous for that to be, you know, for Notre Dame to be getting double digits when they won this game already. Yeah, I think things are going to clamp down here. This game's not going to be in the 40s, um, you know, like it was in South Bend a few weeks ago. This game is going to be played in the high teens, low 20s. Uh, I, I think that this is a game, an under game, 59 and a half. And I do think Clemson will win. I think that Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame. Uh, but 
I, it is not going to be a blowout. It is not going to be a two, two, three touchdown win for Clemson. And if the Irish ever do get the win, hey, you know, that'll open the door possibly for somebody else uh, to maybe get in the mix. Is there anything else, Mafia, of interest here? I just want to see. Is there any games that really well, stick Well, before out? we leave that game, Go ahead. I just want to say, too, because you got to give credit where it's due. And I think we have you know, taken this guy to task many times before, you know, saying that he was nothing special. But I think this year, Ian Book has really stepped oh, up huge. And for no all the people acting like, oh, well, Trevor Lawrence is back, and you know, that means they're going to win and they're going to do it easily. I mean, Ian Book made some big mistakes in that game the first time around that I don't think he's going to make this time. That fumble. That should have cost him that game. Yeah. You know, they, they, those are the boneheaded plays that he's going to look back as a veteran quarterback, as a guy who has the most wins in Notre Dame history now, and say, "Listen, I can't make that same mistake." And I don't think he is. I think he's going to be even better than he was that first game. No, I, I'm with you. Uh, Ian Book does not get the respect that he deserves. I feel like I don't think he should win the Heisman. I feel like he should at least be a Heisman finalist this year. I think he has played that well. He is a he. He's got over 30 wins. As the Notre Dame quarterback, guys, thirty and three or thirty-one and three, something silly like that, and he does not get the respect. Things are turning out in L.A. here, Mafia, uh, very much so. USC kicked a field goal to make it twenty-eight seventeen, a beautiful onside kick. You know they lined up like they were kicking it deep, and the kicker, it was a it obviously he's practiced it a billion times, just floated past ten yards. The guy all the way on the right ran up and caught it in the air. Uh, so USC takes over. They've got the ball back, and they are moving already. So things are turning. This is going to be a probably a wild finish like every USC game seems to be between the Ducks splashing around and the Trojans. Uh, so we'll see what happens here. Uh, some of these other games on the board, like we said, they've thrown other games besides the conference title game. Air Force and Army, service academy games go under like all the time. I think it's uh, last week was the 12th or 13th in a row or the 18th out of 19th. It's a low number. It's 38 and a half. And it was, this, I think it's this, almost the same number that, that Army Navy ended up being last week. But I like Army Mafia. I like the under. Let's go. Uh, I won't have it. You know, listen, this game's at three o'clock. You know where the focus is going to be once four rolls around with the Irish and Clemson. But I think there's a play here for the under in this uh, Army Air Force game. Yeah, I think the play is for the under. I'm going to roll with Air Force, though. I think uh, I saw a couple weeks ago against them, I think it was a Utah State game. You know, I liked what I saw from them. I think they're going to win this game. I, I think this is a much tougher team than we expected from our Air Force this year. I mean, if they play like they did against some of these other teams, you might have a trouble with that number because you know, 49-30 against uh, Boise, 28 nothing against New Mexico. They, they put up points, 35-7 against Utah State, as I mentioned, that game. So they can put up some points. Their offenses can be, you know, pretty dynamic despite not really throwing the ball at all. So that might be more of a uh, risk than it was Army-Navy last week, but I'm still going to roll under, and I'm still going to roll Air Force. No, I'm with you. Uh, Other SEC games, Missouri minus one and a half at Mississippi State, yawn. LSU-Ole Miss, I think Ole Miss beat LSU actually tomorrow. I kind of like Lane Kiffin and his team in that spot. Minnesota hasn't played in forever. Uh, They're getting 12 and a half at Wisconsin. Illinois, they stink too. You know, Penn State might really lay the wood on Illinois after they fired Lovey this week. Stanford, UCLA. I mean, eh. We do get a bailout blowout, though. You know I love the bailout blowout, Mafia. And they did throw us a Pac-12 bailout blowout, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Arizona State, Oregon State, minus 7.5 for the Sun Devils. 
who we saw what they did to Arizona, their cross-state rivals, last week. Oregon State's been kind of spunky this year, and a low Pac-12 total at 54-and-a-half. This is the bailout blowout if you have a little trouble with the conference title games earlier in the day. <laughs> you love those late-night ones, man. I, I don't know if I have a faith in either it. of these teams. I mean, Arizona State had a beautiful one last week, but if they're nothing else all season, I mean, again, not that it's much of a season because only three games, but they played tough against USC. They smoked Arizona, but I don't know if I could really throw a bunch of money on them. No, definitely not. Uh, I, I I just think that uh, the over is a good spot there, 54 and a half. And like I said, uh, Ole Miss, I think that Kiffin will take it to LSU uh, tomorrow and finish their Yeah, season. I'm 100% with you there. Yeah. Pharrell on the bench, Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty on a Friday night. We haven't even gotten near the NFL yet. There is hockey news as well tonight. And uh, listen, Ball State still up 10 over Buffalo. Wow. Uh, we'll keep it rolling. Carver High Mafia for Scotty for On the Bench right after this. And we're back. Pharrell on the bench. Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty. Uh, Ball State. Winners of the MAC. Man, I wish I had the Stones Mafia to bet Ball State on the money line. I thought that they could be true. I like the 12 and a half. We played that. Uh, but I thought that maybe they could beat Buffalo tonight. Underdogs have been very spunky in the MAC title game. They end up winning 38 to 28. But Mafia, here's the real story from the uh, betting perspective of this game 56 points in the first half. The total was, I saw it around 69 and a half and even shot to 70 at some points this afternoon. But 56 points in the first half, Mafia, 10 in the second half, including a bagel, a zero, a donut in the fourth quarter. Oh, my God, if you had an over ticket on this game, uh, you need to just go to bed and, and just get ready for tomorrow. That is just brutal. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, all the time when you see those at halftime, I've been doing a lot of that with Kevin. I'm sure you do with... Uh, with your boy Smitty, you look at halftime, you're like, all these points, like, which way is it going to go? And yeah. I'm usually the wet blanket saying, like, hey, listen, just because they scored a bunch doesn't mean they're going to do the same thing in the second half. And sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, that's one of those that you, you know, I'm sure everybody was like, well, you know, the way it's going, how could you not bet the over? Well, that burns you pretty good there if you did. No, that that's a tough one. And, and I'm with you. Like, when you see a game like this, and I actually saw at halftime the live number was in the low 90s uh, for the total. So when you something like that, you tend to want to lean to the under. You know, when you score 56 points in the first half, it's hard to keep up that kind of a pace. That's usually an under lean for me. Uh, going to the fourth quarter in L.A., USC down 28-17 to Oregon. We'll see if they can get things going. We've got NFL to do. We've got to talk about the NHL. we got to at least dabble in the NHL mafia because it looks like they're going to have a season. The division stink. They've got things all straightened out, so we'll get to that. Pharrell on the bench, Carver High and Mafia in for Scotty. We get hour number two rolling right after this. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360. 